The Morning Struggle podcast is brought to you by Blue Clover Therapy, a mental health counseling practice in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit www.blueclovertherapy.com for more information. Blue Clover Therapy, because your mental health deserves a specialist. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast, where we take habits of successful people and break them down one at a time into history, science, and action plan so you can implement them into your life and build a better you. Stay tuned. All right, Buckaroo. I'm all right this morning. Yeah. Yeah. Ready? You ready for this? Yeah. You know, um, the Google, the... The home Google, mini home mini yeah um did not do the magical like bell thing and thank me for being so kind this morning maybe so now you're I'm being like, a jerk maybe i am or maybe my voice is starting to like deepen or something for you like like you in the morning oh yeah like, i think it's the the frequency pitch of the voice that google doesn't like i don't think it's got to be it you know what though you kind of sound abrasive i am kind of abrasive but hey, speaking of abrasive, yeah. let's get right into this. Welcome to the Morning Struggle Podcast. Hey guys, it's nice to be back. I'm Ty. And I am Jesse the Therapist. And we bring you Habits of Successful People. Yep. So I want to go through something real quick. Yeah. I, want to, I want to disclaimer it up again. Oh, okay. That these aren't like, these aren't habits that we naturally do. Mm-mm. And then we're like, hey, why don't you be like us? Let's do these habits. We are doing these habits as well. So what qualifies us to give you this advice? And the answer is nothing. Well, well we're you're, enthusiastic. You're a, you're a therapist. Well, yeah, but I'm we, handsome. You are so handsome. I, I but, say that sarcastically. I'm I'm an average looking gentleman. I think you're very handsome. But I, I have self image issues. And, but well, it doesn't probably doesn't come across like super funny sarcastic. It probably comes across pretty arrogant well, over the radios. Well, and you you have well talking about abrasive voices. You also have like kind of a a deep voice of where you can make like statements Definitive that people believe yeah right. so so husband handsome face would be the nickname and mm-hmm. yeah it was given to you by my other podcast yeah. co-host yeah so anyway yeah um but i want to go this morning i want to talk about our episodes we're on episode 20 already yeah 20 i want to talk about the other habits that we've talked about and see how we're actually doing with them oh. real quick real quick Ooh. just a few minutes you ready okay. yep uh waking up early okay Five or five between five and six. I'm about fifty percent on that. I okay. need to get better. So not as great. Yeah. Mini sabbatical. We haven't had a vacation in a while. No. So emails and social media. I've been pretty bad. I I've check them way been, too much. I've been pretty good about that. All right. Um. Let's see. Let's do some journaling and meditation. I've I have upticked in that again. I I I think there was about a month. Yeah. Where um I wasn't doing anything. I was productive. Good for, I was good for about three weeks. And then I've been bad for the rest of the time. Well, I've restarted that and it has been so nice because we opened up a new office right. in Salt Lake. And so it's been incredibly stressful. Right. Um, and so having that has been a nice outlet for me. Okay. What about um, exercise? Been pretty good. No, I haven't. Not at all. Um, let's see. Nature. We've been getting out of nature. I haven't been getting out of nature. A mm, little bit. Gardening Cra- and stuff. Uh, preservatives. Our diet's been better. Yeah. Right. Except um, for yesterday. Yeah. Television. Television's been great. I haven't watched We've TV We've been really all. good on that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, reading. Yeah. We're listening to audiobooks when we drive. But I, I have... So is that is that technically reading? 
technically it's listening to someone I know. read. Well, but it's but it's it's, it's obtaining you gather... knowledge. You were the one who told us you can't tell if someone else tells you something or you tell yourself something on right. the talk to yourself episode, right? Yeah. So if someone else is reading a book to you, you can't differentiate whether they're reading it to you or you're reading it yourself when it's all said and done, right? Okay, so it's it is technically like you have you've gotten reading. the knowledge from that book. Yeah. Okay. I think some there is something though about actually reading the words that processes through your brain a little differently, right. which is probably a good we need to do do more. Well, so, I, I'm almost at two books a week then, if we count audiobooks. Whoa. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. super pumped about it. So, all right. Well, so that we're, we're doing okay. I, I'll give us like I a 50%. Yeah. So an F, <laughs> right? Is that what, a, no, what that would be? No, we're not going to go off the grading system. All right. But anyway, so it's anyway. a solid 52. Pick some of these habits. Try try them out. See what happens. You're going to fail at some. You're going to succeed at some. Yeah. And maybe just make your, your life a little bit more successful and hopefully bring some happiness to you. That's so, what we're going for. That's what we're going for. All right. Should we get into the history? Oh, what are we talking about today? We're talking about single tasking. Single tasking. Uh-huh. Not multitasking. Not multitasking. Single tasking. Yeah. And why? And most people have heard this, that you people are really bad at multitasking. Right. I'm going to tell you why. We're going to tell you why. But yeah. We're also going to tell you when you, it's okay to multitask, you said. Yes. There's, there's a really interesting... There's like a little snippet when you can multitask. Mm -hmm. All right, should we get into the history of single tasking? I'm excited because I have no idea what you're going to talk about. Here we go. This day in history. All right, so when you think of single tasking, what do you think of? All right, that was... I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You think of assembly lines. I was actually thinking of sewing, like people who sew things because you can't do more than one thing there. Yeah, there you go. Or else you lose a finger. But like an assembly line, that is like the epitome of single tasking, right? right? Uh-huh. Because so originally before assembly lines, like an artisan would craft you something and they start from beginning to end and they like do all the parts. Or something. And, yeah. Yeah. Single task, like assembly line, you do one thing. You punch out that one widget. That's your job yeah. to pull the lever, to punch out one widget. And that's all you do. A right. single task, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the history of the assembly lines. Oh, I like this. Yeah. I, I think I think this is way better than you're making it. I was really excited. I think it's awesome. Okay. All right. Thank you. I need I need the reassurance for my self-consciousness. All right. You ready? <laughs> so the, uh, the early assembly line concept. So this is prior industrial revolution. This is actually, um, so like I was talking, things were created by hand, right? Mm-hmm. By artisans. But then they started to realize that if you created one single part of the project yeah. and then combined all those parts, so like a simple tool would create a part of a project that would go into a pile, and then when they mass produce or they produce that entire project, they take something out of your pile and put it with something from someone else's pile, and right? They put it together and they make a product, right? Right. That was pre-industrial revolution. So this happened a lot in like the Venetian arsenal in with ships. They'd send the ships down oh. the canals, and you would build the keel. You know, you just build build keels, okay, so- and they grab a keel and they put the keel on the boat, and they send the ship down farther down the canal, and they put the next thing on. So it would be going down the river, slowly being built. Uh-huh. Is what you're telling me? That's what this says. Wow, that's pretty cool, actually. I know, and they could build the the Venetian arsenal could build one ship a day. No in, way. In that, I don't know how big the ships were, but that's that's, but a, still, that's an assembly line. Having it float so down the river. Henry Ford did not invent the assembly line with Ford Motor Company, just right. so you know. Um, next, Eli Whitney. So mm-hmm. Eli, do you know what Eli Whitney no. invented? The, so the cotton gin. 
everybody what? everybody in eighth grade knows Eli Whitney <laughs> invented the cotton gin. And it was like the, the, the start of the industrial revolution in America, right? Got it. Okay. So you had a machine that could do things that people used to do by hand that took a long time, that right. took no time, and boom, we, right. our economy blows up. So Where he, was I in eighth grade? I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. So, But he, more importantly than the cotton gin, he invented mm-hmm. interchangeable parts. So oh. before that, everything was, you know, manufactured by hand or a machine was very individualized, but he invented interchangeable parts. So when something broke, something else could be put in, or if you made a product uh-huh. that that had, had a, a, part, a part to it, that wasn't just a one piece thing, right. that you could take that part off and put a new part on. And this was interesting. And I, I didn't know this. He made guns. What? Yeah. So, so in France, the concept of interchangeable or standardized gun parts mm-hmm. was um, in, came about by gunsmith Henri Leblanc. And do you like that? The yeah, accent? that was beautiful. Yeah. So anyway, and then Eli Whitney adopted this and he stamped out something like 10,000, 100,000 guns, 10,000 guns. I, I don't know. I got it somewhere. Oh, that's wild. But he stamped out a bunch of guns because now they have interchangeable parts. Uh-huh. So when your trigger breaks, you don't throw away your gun. You're, you can get a new trigger. Order a part. Right. Or ah. more importantly too, when you do it in that assembly line fashion, yeah. you can pump out gun after gun after gun after gun and you know that they're standardized instead of having one gunsmith toil with your gun and, and make it by hand from start to finish. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then the automobile assembly line yep. was not even Henry Ford. He didn't even invent the assembly line. He didn't invent the automobile assembly line. Oh, crazy, huh? Really? Yep. Ransom Olds. So Ransom Olds created the and patented the first assembly line concept in 1901. Okay. And this was just essentially what you think an assembly line would be. Mm-hmm. Everybody did one part. Right. You built a tire. You put the tire. They put the tire on the car. Oh. But it wasn't moving. So Henry. What do you Ford, mean it wasn't moving? It was just like stationary. Oh, I see. Yeah. So, so the river effect. They didn't do the river. They didn't do the river effect. They just oh. had the car there. Uh-huh. Um. But then, so this, but this actually increased output by 500 percent. Oh, no way. So, yep. So they, they realized this was a good concept. So then Henry Ford used the conveyor system. And he, oh. he uses the concept of the car moving down the line and everybody working on the car as it moves down the line. And oh, we wow. all that started with the Model T. Went on to whatever all Ford of them you're now. driving now. Yeah. So we don't wow, drive Wow, that's incredible. That is. It's incredible. So there you go. Huh. So the history of assembly lines. That's very cool. All right. That's, that's it. That's like off for history. Huh. So- so those people single task. So right. What, so should we go into the science of why you should single task, why you should assembly line your life? Yes. And I was thinking of hamburgers. Like that's how McDonald's, they use assembly line. It's super productive. Yeah. It, it just, makes sense. It just, you're, you start a task and it's just like I create, I, I built the chairs for our new table, mm-hmm. our old table. I built new chairs for our old table. Right. And I didn't build them. I bought them like on Wayfair and I put them together and it's like four screws. But the first one took me about an hour, <laughs> right? Like just putting in four those screws. Four screws, yeah. Right? But by the, the sixth one, Man, it was like it. seven minutes, right? Yeah. So if you're doing one simple task, it's it's a really quick learning curve. Right. Right? Yeah. And then you can just crank out whatever job you're doing over and over and over again and productivity shoots through the roof. I didn't look this up, but I wonder how long it takes before you're completely bored of your task. 35 minutes? You think so? I don't know. I think I don't know if it's an individual thing. That's good. That's Some people are happy punching out widgets all day. Are they? Yeah. It would be interesting to, they're the, they're to the, look at that. They're the grinders. That. They're the ones who make the world work. That's true. If we didn't have assembly lines, we wouldn't have the majority of our things. Yeah. Well, if, if everybody yeah. wants to be the, the boss of the CEO, no one actually does the work. That's right? true. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So let's go into the science. Let's do the science. Science of single tasking. Chaos like a color. Don't underline the retro. Go. I don't. Go. I don't. 
Okay, so I th- feel like it's general knowledge now at this point where all of the clickbait in the world on the internet has talked about how we can't multitask, right? Yeah, and you you click on that clickbait while watching television, <laughs> clicking it on your phone and trying to manage your kids while cooking dinner. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, so because we are, we are a multitask society. So everybody expects you to be able to do all of the things all at the same time. Okay. But But what's happening is that people think that they can pay attention to multiple things at once. What's actually happening is they're, you're switching between tasks. So, so you're not actually multitasking. Mm-mm. You're just single tasking at a terrible rate. Yes. And basically, so every time you switch, there's some people are quicker than others, but there's a delay in focus. So even if you are, you are able to visually identify what's happening and even repeat back what is happening, um, you are not actually focused or retaining any of that information. Okay. And um, so... It's not so much you're taking in all of it. You're taking in sections of it. Okay. And so Tim, Timothy Wilson from the University of Virginia found that the brain takes in about 11 million bits of information at any given point in every second. Um, however, the brain only really takes in 40. Oh. Four zero. Four zero bits? Yeah. Okay. So that means all of that other stuff is being eliminated. And with every switch of attention where you're moving back and forth... You you're retaining even less than forty because you got to reset the filter. Because you yeah exactly. Oh okay. Isn't that interesting? So so you, I mean, not only is there a lot of information to take in, period, but then the the amount of imp- information that you're actually taking in is lower if you're not actually focusing in on it. Okay, yeah, that makes right? sense. And um, so what they have found research wise is that twenty minute increments are the best for focus. Oh, for single tasking. For single so 20 tasking. 20-minute stints. Mm-hmm. Okay. 20-minute stints. Past that, sometimes people say 25, and that's the 25 is more controversial than the 20. Um, but that seems to be about the amount of time that you can focus in your peak um, peak attention and get the most done in that time frame. Okay. Can I do an, can I do an analogy? Oh, my gosh. Please do. Okay. You ready? So, like, uh, you have a football, football field. And okay. on one side, you I'm not going to use footballs, but on one side, you have baseballs and then one end so zone. So are we mixing sports? Yep, all sports. I love it. So you're in a football field. Okay. One end zone, you got baseballs. The uh-huh. other end zone, you have basketballs. Okay. And in both both sides, you have like a basket you need to put them in. Uh-huh. So multitasking is essentially like running from end zone to end zone, throwing in a basketball, running to the other one, throwing in a baseball and running back and forth. Yes. Right? Because it's all that reprocessing time. Exactly. The other, the other single task is to stay there and throw as many baseballs as you can in the basket right until uh-huh. until it's either done yeah. or you've reached a point where you just can't throw baseballs anymore it's 20 minutes like you're like my arm is killing me tired i need to do something else and that's when you run over and you start shooting the basketballs in the basket for as quick as you or many times as you can until you're done or 20 minutes exactly and then you can switch back but okay that yeah. makes sense to me yeah first of all sports analogy and since i'm a dude i love sports everybody loves sports second of all especially it's, dudes it's a, it's a metaphor or not a metaphor it's an analogy so i can visualize it that's actually a really good way to put it thank you yeah you are welcome. All right, I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. So, um, so like, okay, so there's the CEO of Square and Twitter. His name is Jack Dorsey. I don't know if you've researched I know, him I know at Jack all. Dorsey, yeah. Well, I don't um, know him. I, I know of like, him. I know. <laughs> I know. We go out for steak. I don't know Jack Dorsey. We go Dorsey. out for steak every once in a while. So what he does, because he's running both of those businesses at the same time, right? And what he does is he does uh, small batches. And so he literally lays out his days where... It's Twitter Square and specific things in that those bracket mm-hmm. um, because 
here's the thing. You can only really hold seven elements in your memory. And it's even easier if you block it out into three sections. Okay, go into that a little bit more. Okay, so um, this is why we have phone numbers the way that we do. Okay, because we can hold seven digits in our in our mind. Oh. And that's how many digits a phone number without the area code area code in it. Um, and then because we're like, oh, crap, like we have a lot of people here. We, we're going to need an area code kind of thing. That's why they, they block it out into three different sections. Oh, okay. Right. Now, now we don't need it. Because our phones keep our phone numbers for us. But that was kind of the idea behind that, that the phone number is actually a perfect representation of our memory and how much we can retain. retain. So the interesting thing with Jack Dorsey is is what he's doing is that he is taking parts of a day and he does nothing else but that thing. Because you have to think that running two companies like this, he's going to have a lot of people who want to talk to him and have meetings and all of that. Um, So it's, it's imperative. It's imperative that you're simple tasking in your days and that you're, you're hyper-focusing on those pieces. Elon Musk does the same thing with Tesla, SpaceX and solar city. I'm reading his his bio book right now. Oh, no way. Yeah. So the same thing. He works one day at SpaceX, then he works a half day at SpaceX and then he flies to Tesla and then, or maybe the opposite way, whatever it is. Right. And so, yeah, he's very specific to where he's working at that time. Right. Ah, crazy. Yeah, and you have to pay pay attention during that time. There's not the, you can't do both. You really can't in those kind of situations. Um, again, the 20 to 25 minutes seems to be kind of where we're at in being able to keep that focus long enough and be the most productive. So if you're going to do that, you can even just get up and move around a little bit and then go back to your task. Just a reset. Yeah, just a little reset. Um, having a to-do list for um, that day, not everything. Like I am the queen of to-do lists. I have a to-do list for all the stuff I need to do over like the set when you're when you're gone. I have a to-do list while I'm at the office. I have a to-do list per day. I have like so many. A weekly one, yeah, everything. Yeah, it is. And it's probably not as effective as I think it is. But, um, but it seems like if you have a to-do list for the day that you need to get done and it's prioritized, and then you can have a to-do, a big to-do list, but you have to narrow it down. Otherwise, it's just unbelievably overwhelming and your brain cannot take in all of that information. So you want it to be the most effective as it, as it can be. And by doing that, you want to narrow down your task to I'm doing this just in this day. Okay. Just a specific. Yeah. Task. Very, very specific. Okay. Um, and then, so notifications on our phones, um, or our computers when it comes up, um, flip the attention, our ability to have attention. So let's say that you were really focused on writing a novel right? Really, really focused. And then you get the Facebook being being or whatever, and it has it come up in the corner. You have just lost that attention. So you've essentially done a reset button. Mm -hmm. You got to go through all the intro credits again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. So, So, So essentially have your servants take your clothes so you're naked in your room so you can do your books. Yeah, who was that again? I can't remember his name. We, that was on our procrastination episode. Oh, that was, that's, episode. that's fantastic. Exactly. Yeah. So okay. all notifications. Um, and then, and so a lot of companies have adopted this piece of like no talk Tuesdays where you can't send any emails and you can't interrupt people on Tuesdays. Oh. And, and they're trying to do this where they're trying to bracket out hyper-focus or single-tasking um, by forcing people not to have meetings on those days, not be interrupted, all of that, because you don't want to have that reset. So okay. now we live in a multitasking world, and so everything I've just told you goes kind of against what society wants you to do, even right. though like we have a couple of 
CEOs that are doing this right. and effectively running big, multiple big, big companies. Uh, companies. Um, but what's really interesting is the part of the brain that takes care of multitasking. Um, so not single tasking, because that's single tasking is um, really that hyper focus. But when we multitask, this is the prefrontal cortex. Okay, so it's the one managing all the different tasks. It's when you're focusing on one task, making sure it's um, attentive to another, and it's it's going kind of doing this back and forth. What's interesting is that the most effective, so far researched, um, effective way to exercise the prefrontal cortex for multitasking specifically is imaginative play. Okay, go into that more. So imaginative imaginative play is where you are pretending that you are doing something in a different world, whatever it is, and you act it out. So I'm a superhero. Yep, and you're running around and you're, you're punching walls and you're making sound effects and all that kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm in the office. Yeah. I'm a nine to five or I'm in the office. Yeah. I got my cubicle mm-hmm. and then I get up on my desk and I pretend to be a superhero. Yeah. No. And then just whenever it's like, what the heck is Ty doing? Yeah. You say, no, I'm exercising my prefrontal cortex. Yeah. You rubes. You rubes. Um, well, so that's the thing is as adults, we rarely do this. We don't do it at all. No. Um, the, the prime age for imaginative play is one to 12 years old. So... Research has found that the the best multitaskers are between ages 1 and 12. Oh, okay. So you need to hire your child as a secretary. As a consultant. Yeah, as a consultant. Yeah. Because <laughs> they can actually multitask. Right. And um, I mean, because we've all had, we've all observed a child like doing a million different things and like moving into different tasks and then coming back to another. And you're like, what is happening? This kid is all over the place. Right. They are actually multitasking and they're quite effective at it. Oh, is it the reset so fast? Um, well, and it's uh, lots of different things. It's, it seems like when, because they don't know exactly why imaginative play does this, huh. but you when you imaginative play, you're holding in lots of different things because you got to think you're you're doing sound effects. And, you there's have to, no, and there's not a lot of external stimuli for it. It's all going to be internalized. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And so internally, you can move between those different sets quickly. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So then when you're doing it in the real world, Suddenly, you're you're more effective now. Again, we don't do this a lot, right? So as adults, so um, more than likely, we are not very good at multitasking. Um, but but like people who and and they found this with highly successful people as well, um, CEOs and people who run companies, presidents, all that kind of thing, um, who play Dungeons and Dragons, for instance. Oh yeah, yeah. Are more effective at multitasking. Okay. Because they're they're essentially imaginative play in a adult. Um, socially effective, socially or, acceptable. Yeah, acceptable socially environment. Ex- somewhat socially acceptable. Oh, we talking about it's awesome. Hey, we we play. Yeah, we, we play totally that. do. We don't. We, we want did. to play. We're weird. We want to be nerdy and play. Mm-hmm. We just don't. We haven't had like we're not social enough to find people to do it, or we haven't had time yeah. to do with the family. But anyway, keep going. Anyway, so but Dungeons and Dragons, um, yeah, that's imaginative play. Okay, so it, it's an interesting piece of that where. You should probably work out your imaginative play prefrontal cortex. So I got two choices. I can single task or I can start initiating an imaginative imaginative play to essentially work out my prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And I should probably do both. Yeah. Okay. All right. So is that what we got for science? That's what we got for science. All right. Should we do coffee segment? Coffee segment. I drank 
Putts and putts and putts and putts a strong black coffee trying to keep my sleepy soul awake. But the sleepiness still comes along, and when it does, it's fast and strong. I end up with a bad case of the shakes. We said we were going to review Black Rifle Coffee, and I drive by Black Rifle Coffee twice a week. Yeah. And I never stop in. Well, I think I think they're closed the times I go in, but I can just order it online. I'm yes. just going to go order it. Okay. Um, and if anybody out there has a coffee review recommendation, yeah, send us send us a recommendation, local or national coffee. We don't care. Just send us something you want us to review. Yeah. Um, but this morning we're actually drinking decaf Pike's Place. Yep, we are. We're kind of doing some half calf, some decafs. Yeah. We're just over caffeinated, so we're just kind of trying to find some balance. Um, and the taste is not the same as Pike's Place. Right? Nope. Tastes a little different. Do you know why? I don't know why. Um, I know that decaf always tastes just a little wrong to me. Yeah. So there's yeah. a reason for that. So caffeine is a natural occurring substance in a dried and roasted coffee bean. Not in a green coffee bean, but in a regular dry and roasted coffee bean. Okay. So to get that out, you have to go through an unnatural process. Okay. Right? So the there's kind of... They say there's four processes. There's indirect solvent, direct solvent, there's the Swiss water process, and then there's the CO2 process. What? So you're essentially, you're trying to essentially wash away the caffeine from the coffee bean. Okay. Right? You right. Were, you were saying- I, like, I mean, I don't understand. All right. So we'll go with the first one, the indirect solvent bit. They, okay. They, they soak coffee beans in boiling water for several hours, which extracts all the caffeine. But guess okay. what else it extracts? Uh, the taste? All the flavor, oh, right? It extracts yeah. everything. And then, so then they separate the caffeine from the, the flavor and the oils, right? Yeah. And then they kind of try to reinfuse the flavor back into the coffee bean. That's they try why, to reinfuse it? That's why it tastes so oh, funny. So an indirect solvent, you boil it in water, then you wash away the caffeine with solvents from okay. that water mixture, and then you, then you re-soak the beans in their, in their you know, luscious uh, juices, and so this is like a very popular in Europe and Germany. It's just what they do. Um, and there's a direct solvent one where okay. you, you steam it and then you wash it with a solvent directly on the coffee bean. Okay. And then you try to reintroduce the flavors as well. Oh. So the Swiss water process, this was pretty cool. Um, yeah. It was invented in 1933 and developed in Switzerland. Um, and what this does is it, it uses... Um, so it's kind of a hard one. Um, it's it's different than everyone because what they do is they extract the coffee through like osmosis. They dissolve it and then through an act they through osmosis and an activated charcoal filter they filter out all of the caffeine and then they discard the coffee beans. And oh. then the next batch of coffee beans comes in. Okay. And they use that that water and boiling process. Okay. That with the the flavors in it right. to extract the caffeine and flavors again, so it's like you got this hyper concentrated flavor and oil rich water, you know, boiling process okay. that extracts all the caffeine from the, the the next process, leaving behind a lot of those oils and flavors. Oh, so it actually leaves. In, right. So right. It's so instead, the best instead of using of, water and having it diluted, yeah. they're using this hyper concentrated flavor and oil mixture mm. that leaves behind a lot of those flavors and oils. I thought the Swedes have got most they, things figured out. They've got it. And then the newest one is a CO2 process. 
Oh. And so he uses carbon dioxide, and it was developed by uh, Kurt Zossel, a scientist at the Max Planck Institute. Okay. So I'm, I I work at the Max Planck Institute. Where is um, that? I have no idea, actually. That's a good question. But he uses liquid CO2 in place of a chemical solvent. So it's a similar oh. process. You're going to wash it away, but the CO2 combines with the caffeine molecule, yeah. and then those that's extracted from the coffee bean. And then again, flavor has to be reinfused. Well, because I think that would probably be better because the solvent, what is in the solvent? Oh, man. Yeah. So they used to be ben- benzene or whatever. Because I feel like... Um, but like, they realized that was a carcinogen. Yeah, like so, poison. Yeah. So Just now you're, you're talking um, your coffee. Uh, methylene chloride or ethyl acetate. Oh. But I feel like carbon monoxide would be... Carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, I mean, would be the better... Right. So anyway, oh, that's interesting, that's you, and that's why that's why decaf coffee tastes different, and why people say, "Oh, I don't like the taste of decaf coffee." Right. It's because you essentially remove all the flavor. It's like baking bread; you remove all the vitamins from what from white bread, right? And you got to spray vitamins back onto it. Like you're doing gotcha. the same thing. You're trying to get that flavor back into it. Right. So anyway, that's where decaf coffee comes from, and like we can tell this morning, it's not as rich. Yeah. Okay. But it's not awful. I mean, I can see. It's just interesting how we as humans try to alter everything to our to our benefit. We bend everything in nature to our will. Right. Yeah. Because we're know. like extracting things and then having to re. We could just not drink coffee. I actually, I like the flavor of coffee. I really enjoy so. coffee as well. Yeah, so yeah, right. interesting. Anyway, that's how you get decaf. I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> I knew a few of them, but I didn't know all the, all the stuff, so. It's cool. All right. So there you go. So now let's get back into single tasking. Single tasking. And let's talk about the action plan. Action. Let's hope you make the most of it, my boy. Action plan. Okay. So first, I would like you to small batch your tasks. What what is small batching my tasks? So we're trying to put all the tasks that are kind of related into the same bracket. Because let's say that you just have a, a big old to-do list and you're like having to ruffle through them each time to see which one to do that is a a complete halt of attention at that point okay yeah but if you small batch you can be like well i need to get to emails um so i'm going to check emails and for all my businesses or whatever oh okay okay so similar tasks that you can like move right one into the next, like right yeah, into the Yeah, they're relatively fluid. Okay. So you're trying to small batch them together. And I'm like a lot of these folks, you can do like an entire day. Like today is Tesla day, right? Okay. Um, Or you can put them into blocks where it's like the first half of my day is, um, I don't know, talking to insurances. Right. The second half of my day is, you know, actual therapy hours, that kind okay. of thing, for at least for like on my my end. Um, but trying to, to block them out and then you are completely focused at that time on those tasks. You don't do anything different. You don't, ideally you don't get interrupted either, but I know that's not a perfect world. So, um, but you're trying to hyper-focus into those things. Okay. Um, now, um, the book, I know how she does it by Laura, uh, Vanderkam. Um, I just listened to this one and I really, I really enjoyed the way that she talked about kind of mapping out your time and viewing time as you have more of it than you think. Cause I think we get overwhelmed by pieces. And so she does kind of the same blocking piece, um, by first mapping out your, your, what you're using your time with and then how to, to concentrate them into areas. Okay. So you're just finding categories. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I like this, like I like that comment mm-hmm. because time is the most socialistic 
thing we have. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the exact same amount of time. So when you say like, I don't have any time and you yeah. look at someone like Elon Musk or someone like that and you're like, yeah, so what is this guy how, doing? He doesn't have more time. It's so like, right. well, my day is 25 hours. Like, no, it's not. Everybody's got the same amount of time. So right. when you say, I don't have any time, that person who's super successful next to you, they got that same amount of time. Yeah. They don't have any more. Well, and I like this, like our air conditioner went out. All right. Um, for some reason, uh, like you, you and I are very busy and somehow you found time to fix the air conditioner. Because I'm not that busy. No, well, no, I, but I know, you, I know, but you but are. I, I, but but I, that's I, just, I prioritize other things. Exactly. So that's just it. If you need to do something, you find the time. Right. So that's really what needs to be focused on. Where we're we're blocking out time and we're really utilizing time as if you have a lot of it. Because if nothing else, it's there's a bit of a like a placebo effect mindset wise, where if you think you have enough time, that anxiety goes down and you're able to complete more. But if you don't think you have any time, your anxiety like, goes up ah, and you actually complete less. Around. Yeah. Oh, so if okay. nothing else, you're placebo mindsetting yourself into thinking like, like the rested. Oh, I'm so rested after four hours of sleep and the kids getting up six different times. Right. Right. But if you, if you tell yourself that and you're like, oh, I got this, I, I, can, I can get this today. It, it creates this mindset <laughs> that's very effective. So small, either small batching tasks, or if you're not quite sure where to put like blocks to kind of block out your time. And she actually has a download on her website um, where you can map out your time and create blocks. And who is this again? Uh, Laura Vanderkam. Laura Vanderkam. Okay. Yeah. She has several different books. Worth a really Google. Awesome. It's worth a Google. Okay. Um, and she has a bunch of downloadable stuff on her stuff. Um, and then um, create a hyper-focus block. We're going to call it a hyper-focus block that's approximately 20 to 25 minutes with no distractions and or interruptions. For each like little subcategory in your blocks or no, just for your, so, your big block? Yeah. So let's say, well, and not even big blocks. I, you might want to start off with just one time a, a day. one thing? Yeah. Okay. Whereas like you can block off like from nine to 10 is getting the kids ready and out the door or whatever. Right. Um, and I do nothing else other than that. I don't check email, social media, any of okay. that. I do just that. Okay. Um, so you can have blocks like that. And then let's say like the kids go to school and I'm, you know, from 10 to 1020, I do nothing but work on blank. Gotcha. And okay. I turn, turn off all my notifications or whatever. And I just do that. Okay. Okay, so we want to, we're calling this a hyper focus block because ideally you are just in the zone. And you, and we all know that feeling when we're like, yes, and you're just running with it and it just feels good. It feels right. You're, you're getting a lot done. And it's usually something you really want to do. Mm-hmm. And it usually never happens with stuff you feel are chore like or you, you, you have to do. Right. And so the, having this hyper focus block is important to really have one, at least one a day. Now, ideally, you work your way up and really get on it and, and hopefully effective at it with each block. But again, life is not like that. So you're going to have interruptions. You're going to have meetings that are useless and, and all of that. So, um, yeah, so trying to find a hyper block at least one once a day. Okay. And then here's my last one. Um, I want you to participate in imaginative play at least once a week. Which is easy if you've got kids. It, it's they're, easier. They're, they're your yeah. excuse, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm pretending to be a superhero because my kids are doing it. Right. We're all but playing. They, they also know it's good for you. Right. Okay. Yeah. So at least once. And if not. And if you don't have kids. You got a cat. Do, go do Get some go do some LARPing or some Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Do cat do a puppet show with your cat. Yeah, do a puppet show with your cat. Okay, all right. I like that you came up with that randomly, like a puppet show with your cat. Yeah, that like that the, wasn't random. It is. 
but so. some sort of some sort of imaginative play uh, with action and uh-huh. like sound effects and like really visualize that you're in that zone. If you cannot get there, I have because adult clients sometimes don't know how to play. Um, at least in my world of therapy, um, I'll have them. You pretend that either like your house is completely underwater, and so you're like swimming through your house, oh, all right. right, right, or that your house is flipped. So like you're walking on your ceiling, and okay. and so you pretend that you have to like avoid the lights or, okay, you know that kind of thing. And like, what would you do to get up or down the stairs if the stairs were on the ceiling and the Okay, yeah. That kind of thing. Just, yeah. So so some way to become, to make it imaginative. Okay. So so three things. So that the to-do things. list has three things. One, yeah. you're going to batch, batch organize. Yeah, your, we call it small batches. We're going to small batch our, mm-hmm. our tasks. When we have like to-do lists, we're going to like combine a lot of those to-do lists together into like like items. Yep, that create blocks. That create blocks. Yep. The next one is we're going to hyper-focus one of the blocks once a day. Uh, or have or, a, or a, hyper a hyper-focus focus. block. So either, either hyper-focus a block you've created or just hyper-focus one thing Yes. a day. For and about then, 20 to 25 minutes. And then the third thing, cat puppet shows. Cat puppet shows. And right. it is a requirement, people. All Take right. pictures. All right. That's, all, that's what you got. Uh-huh. You, next thing you know, you'll be running three companies and flying fancy jets to all your Going locations. Going to space. Going to space. Yeah. All right. Well, go out there and build a better you. Thanks, guys.